Our second reading this morning is taken from Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 9, and it's on page 1,218 uh, in your pew Bible. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by men, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of God our Father, to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. This is God's word. Thank you uh, very much, Mui, for reading uh, that passage for us this morning. I want to encourage you to keep your Bibles open as we work our way uh, through uh, this passage. As you know, uh, we are starting a new series today on the book of Galatians. I encourage you to read uh, as much as we can of this book, and hopefully uh, we'll be encouraged as we work our way through this wonderful book. So uh, let me first pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege and honor of reading your word and having it proclaimed. This is a task that you have entrusted to us, Lord, an opportunity to hear your word. And Father, we pray that your spirit will give us the understanding of this word to apply it in our hearts and lives. Lord, I want to thank you for the privilege for myself to bring this word to your people. May you be glorified. May people be drawn to Christ alone. I humbly submit myself to you this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, friends, as I said, commencing today, we are going to work our way through uh, the book of Galatians. I have titled this message or this, this series, which is Real Freedom. We all want freedom, don't we? We want freedom of speech. We want freedom of thought, freedom to worship, freedom to gather, even freedom to protest in this world. Freedom is something that we all want in our world and in our lives. Now, I know freedom can be abused as well, but that's a different topic altogether. Galatians is often called the Magna Carta of Christian freedom. That is, it pronounces and proclaims. It's the uh, the somebody, as it were, the total message of Christian freedom. And so they call it the Magna Carta. The message of Galatians is that we have freedom in 
Christ Jesus. And the message of Galatians is that we are set free in Christ alone, and this is all by his grace. There was a problem with the churches in Galatia, as we will see in this letter. The first Christians in Jerusalem were Jews. Then the gospel spread from there, from Jerusalem, and many non-Jews who are called Gentiles became Christians. And as these Jews who became who were believers, they started to bring in another teaching into the church. They were called the Judaizers, the Jewish Christians. And they insisted that the Gentile Christians must practice ceremonial customs of the law of Moses. They taught that the Gentile Christians must be circumcised to be fully accepted by God and to be saved. For example, in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 2, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. These Judaizers, they taught that in order to be a Christian, you need to practice the Jewish customs, such as maintaining the holy days, and by impl implication, enjoying Jewish food, which in turn prevented other Christians from enjoying and sharing that meal. So they were troublemakers. They wanted to add something to the gospel of Jesus Christ and his free grace. To them, it was Christ plus something to be saved. Do you see that? Christ plus my observation of the ceremonial laws. Christ plus circumcision in order for me to be accepted by God. This is what I would call legalism. So instead of obedience being the evidence of one's salvation, it becomes the ground of your salvation. And this, friends, is the error of legalism. And so the major issue in the book of Galatians is one of the most cardinal, one of the most fundamental truths of the gospel. And that is, it will become evident as we work our way through the book, it is called justification by faith in Christ alone. And we are going to unpack this as we go along. And what a topic for us to look at in this year of the 500, what is it, do you know that? Anniversary of the Reformation, all right? And one of the cardinal truths is this doctrine, of justification by faith in Christ alone. And Luther said the entire doctrine will fall on its face if we do not understand this important doctrine. And we'll come to that some other time. Now, Martin Luther, the father of the Reformation, he tried everything that he knew to be right with God. In fact, he said this, I was a good monk, and kept my order so strictly that I could claim that if ever a monk were able to reach heaven by monkish dis discipline, I should have found my way there. If it had continued much longer, I would, but with vigils, prayers, readings, and other such works, have done myself to death. This is Luther. He would have done himself to death if he could have 
being right with God. And so Luther thought that he was not good enough for God and that he had to work his way up the ladder, so to speak, until he finally understood that Christianity is not what he had to do for God, but what God had done for him through his son, Jesus. Do you see the point? It's not what I have to do for God, but it is what God has done for me. I remember when I first became a Christian many years ago, I told you I was converted in a bio lab while I was doing my science work and dissecting animals. And uh, after a while, uh, I knew my sin. It was a struggle for me, some certain sins in my own life at the time. And I confessed and I repented, but I also thought, Lord, I must do something for you uh, so that you'll be kind of happy with me. <laughs> right? I just wanted to do the right thing too, so that I will make you happy and you'll be happy with me. Can you see the danger of it? Right? It is Christ plus my works. Because I have sinned, yes, Lord, I confess my sin to you, but also let me add something so that I will be right with you. It's a danger trap, isn't it? And so we read, my dear friends, that in Christ we have absolute freedom. Galatians chapter 5 um, and in verse 1, Paul makes that clear. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take, your, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble. You see, friends, so Paul writes this letter to the churches in Galatia to make the point that in Christ they have been set free by his gospel of grace. Uh, Tim Keller writing about the book of Galatians, he says this, the book of Galatians is dynamite. It is an explosion of joy and freedom which leaves us enjoying a deep significance, security, and satisfaction, the life of blessing God calls his people into. It's dynamite. It's freedom. It's explosion of joy. It's freedom which leaves us enjoying a deep significance and security and satisfaction. What a blessing. It is. Another writer puts it this way. Galatians takes us to the very heart and to the very core of the message of God to us in Jesus Christ. Ultimately, its message it's, is simplicity. Law condemns. Jesus saves. Law condemns. Jesus saves. And so this morning, as we work our way through this passage... I'm going to look at this passage under three headings, the credentials, the cross, and the confrontation. So we'll see how we go, all right? We'll see how we go. Keep your Bibles open as we work our way through this. The credentials. The Apostle Paul says this in, in, in verse uh, 1 and 2, verses 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. So this letter was written by the Apostle Paul. It is written to the Galatians, who could be those who lived in the province of Galatia, which is today Turkey. Now this little simple phrase, just to make the point here, churches of Galatia 
has drawn a great deal of discussion as to who these Galatians were. When was it written? Why was it written? And so forth. But we won't get into all of these matters this morning. Paul includes the brothers with him. This is, this is not a normal greeting from the Apostle Paul. He was abrupt. He refers to his apostleship. There are no words of thanks. There are no words of praise in this letter for the Galatians, in this greeting. Instead, Paul comes straight to his authority as an apostle from the very beginning. Now, why did he do that? Perhaps the teachers were saying, Oh, Paul, that guy Paul, he was not a disciple of Jesus, remember? He never actually met Jesus personally. That guy Paul, he was not actually commissioned by Jesus in any shape or form. He never spoke to, he never had a, he was not an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus. So just don't worry about what Paul has taught you. He's a nobody guy, all right? Just leave him because he was not an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus, just like the other apostles were. And so Paul begins to lay out his apostleship. And he begins, in fact, Paul is kind of angry when writing this letter. And he's responding to an attack on the pure gospel. So who is an apostle, friends? An apostle is like an Old Testament prophet who had a call by God to be a prophet of God. Right? And in the New Testament, an apostle is one who has been called by the Lord and sent by the Lord. That's the Greek word that we have there. Two words meaning to be sent. The one who is sent is an ambassador of Christ, like diplomats are ambassadors of their country. Uh, we know recently there was a big issue regarding the call from Donald Trump with uh, Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, right? They even got his name wrong. Trumbull, they call him, right? Remember that? Uh, the press secretary, Mr. Trumbull, new baptized name for our Prime Minister. <laughs> And you know what happened there, right? Massive thing. Washington Post, the New York Times reporting all of these things. And I was wondering what was going to take place. A few days later, did you observe? Joe Hockey, our ambassador, was seen leaving the White House. And he was meeting with the staff of Mr. Trump and representing our case to the president through his staff. And then, just these last few days, the foreign minister of our country was in the U.S. meeting the vice president, Mike Pence. Get the picture? Joe Hockey representing us, representing our country, opening the way. And when he spoke, he spoke on behalf of the nation, representing the, the parliament of our nation, and so those opened. Paul is an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Christ. And so the message that he proclaimed carried the seal and authenticity of Jesus. Now some people tell, perhaps you've heard this, oh, I don't need to listen to the Apostle Paul. Paul was this, Paul was that, Paul was a misogynist, he was, ah, don't worry about Paul. You heard those arguments? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. Why? Because when Paul speaks, and when he is writing this letter or any other letter, he writes as an ambassador of Jesus Christ and it carried the seal 
and approval of Christ so that all scripture written by the Apostle Paul under the inspiration of God carries the seal and authenticity of Christ. So to reject the, the, the epistles or to reject parts of the New Testament is to reject Christ and his authority himself. So let not anyone say to you, well, this is what Jesus said, and this is what Paul said, and I'll accept Jesus' words, because after all, he is Jesus, and Paul, really. <laughs> Do you see the point? And so Paul, he, he, the, the, so the church then submits to the authority of Paul as being the authority of Jesus Christ. And so Paul says here, I'm an apostle. He's, he's not a missionary or a pastor, though he was both. He's not denying his ordination by the church. Of course not. The point is that there is no room for self-appointed apostles. And I think that's a danger that we have in perhaps the current church as well. I'm a self-appointed apostle. I'm a self-appointed pastor. I'm a self-appointed whatever. Where do you get your authority from? So Paul makes it very, very clear here. And he's perhaps referring to the Acts 9 experience, his conversion, which we will look at uh, next week. So Paul derived his authority from Christ. And in this letter, Paul is fighting for the very soul of these churches. And he minces no words with those whom he regards as enemies of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he gets straight to the point. He comes straight to this point. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me. Friends, the Christ we worship this morning is the risen Savior. Do you see that? If there is no resurrection, we are wasting your time. You might as well go and have a latte somewhere in a cafe and just enjoy your morning and do other stuff around your house or sleep in. <laughs> we come on Sundays, we do gospel ministry here, we worship the Lord because Christ is risen. And he walks with you and he talks with you through the word of God and he encourages you. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I think I mentioned this once, I was listening to Jim Reeves doesn't matter. You don't know who Jim Reeves is. A great singer. And I was listening to this song. Some of you are laughing. Please, don't laugh. It's great. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me on. Go on YouTube. Go to YouTube and Google it. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me on through this land. And I thought, wow, that's great. How can this Savior take my hand and lead me on if he is dead? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Can't do it. And Paul brings the resurrection, which is the most fundamental, the most central message of Christianity. Christ died. Christ has been raised from the dead. Christ is the risen Savior. Christ is the conquering one. And I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is the author of salvation as the apostle to the church. And so Paul comes and he brings this message. And then we see the cross here in verses 3 and 5, an amazing definition of the gospel. 
Have a look at it, friends. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He speaks of grace and peace, two beautiful, beautiful words of the gospel. I'll touch on grace in a moment. Think about it. Grace and peace. That peace that we have with God. As Romans speaks about it in Romans chapter 5. We have peace with God through faith, through being justified in Christ. What a thing that is. Do you have that peace this morning? Or has peace gone to pieces in your life? And I'm talking about a peace with God. You know, often they say at, 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 in tombstones, right, rest in peace. What does it mean to rest in peace if you don't have peace with God now when you're alive? There is no rest in peace until you have made your peace in Christ. You see, when you go to funeral services and you listen to what people say, and sometimes people come out and say, oh, it's a nice service. And I think, what, Really? What was nice about it? What did you hear about the gospel? What did you hear about somebody being, mayor, uh, be, being, a, being a follower of Jesus? Flowery words. Nice things, isn't it? I was at Kurong yesterday. I was looking for a book. And, and it doesn't matter. 20% off yesterday at Kurong. So. <laughs> uh, I, I saw one of our young people work, working there at, at Kurong. Now, I said to the person at the counter, by the way, I have this Kurong card. You got 20% off. I get 10% off on my card as well. Can we make it 30? No, you can't. Doesn't matter. Anyway, so I was looking through the shelves. I was looking through the shelves, and I came across Joel Austin's book and I, books, and I was looking through some of the stuff that he's written about negative thinking and your mind has to be changed. And I was reading, I quickly went through the introductions, and said, man, I don't need to go. This is nothing about the gospel. This is psychology. This is psychology that is there. Nothing about grace and peace that comes from Christ. It's what you can do to make grace and peace in your life. That is a no-no, friends. It doesn't work that way. This grace and peace is from Jesus Christ. And that's what we see here in this text. This is such a refreshing thing. This is such an amazing thing. It amazes me every day. It's kind of a, a refreshing thing to know that this grace, this grace, this peace is what we have in Jesus Christ here and now and for eternity. What a blessing. What a joy. What a comfort. And Paul says here, and he lays out the gospel, does he not? Who gave himself and the Lord Jesus Christ. The word in the Greek is the word kuros which is a corresponding word, perhaps we could say with the Old Testament, is Yahweh. And Paul is bringing out the Lordship of Jesus, who gave himself for our sins. Have a look here, friends. Father and Son, who is Lord. And he links this grace and peace to the historical event, which is the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. Asis Proud uh, makes the following observation. He says this, The gospel is the possession of Jesus. But even more, Jesus is the heart of the content of the gospel. <laughs> Did you see that? It's the heart content of the gospel. 
Right in further, he makes this observation. The gospel is about Jesus, what he did, his life of perfect obedience, his atoning death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, his ascension into heaven, and his outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church. We call those crucial elements the objective aspects of the New Testament gospel of Christ. Now, friends, this is meat. This is not milk. We, if you are a Christian here this morning, we need to be able to articulate the gospel with clarity. Correct? Are you with? Yeah? Do you see this? Understanding this gospel with absolute clarity of what Jesus did in his life, his perfect obedience, his atoning death on the cross, all of these things. And look at what the text says here about Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He gave himself for our sins. This is it, friends. He dealt with the problem of humanity, which is, what's the biggest problem with humanity today? Is it the politically right word to say? No, I don't think so. <laughs> you say, oh, you know, the problem with the world is sin. Man, they'll come after you like nothing. What type of person are you? Don't you understand the goodness of humanity? Don't you understand psychology? Don't you understand that we are good human beings? After all, we can connect with each other. We can have respect rules or whatever in our schools. Everything will be onky-dory. We'll be fine. Nonsense. Wouldn't work, friends. Would it? <laughs> because the problem is I, I'm the problem. J.K. Chesterton wrote a, a, a letter to the, um, one of the papers. He said, what's the problem with the world? I am. <laughs> I am. End of story. You see what I'm saying? He's our substitute. In our profession of faith classes, which I've, some of you have done with me, we go through seven to eight classes. I say to these young people and to others, who well, are not so young in the class as well, that's good. <laughs> I remember two words. Substitutionary. Hey, hey, come on, anyone here. Atonement, see that? They have learned it. Substitutionary atonement. That is that Christ is my substitute. He has taken my sin. And he has done with my sin, what only he can do. And he has set me free from sin and the shackles. You know, when I first heard that message, friend, oh, man, it was a massive relief for me. That's so liberating. I used to go in white time and time again to the temple and worship there and put those, the basket of fruit, the basket of flowers, month after month, thinking, I can atone for my sins. And when I heard this message, what a blessing. All my past sins, everything that I have done wrong, everything that I am, God has dealt with it. And I don't have to look back and be staining that because I know God has wiped the slate. What is it? Clean. It's just like those whiteboard markers, right? You put the spray on the whiteboard marker and you wipe it off and it's, clean. How many people struggle with unconfessed sin? 
Are you struggling with that this morning? Have you dealt with your sin? See, Jesus has done it for you. What a blessing. And so, friends, he says not only that, he says you have been rescued, delivered from the, the bondage, the present age, this present age of corruption. Sometimes, recently, actually, I watched this movie, Sully. Anyone watched the movie Sully? Oh, great movie, right? A great movie. Chelsea Sullenberger, the pilot. Uh, th this plane took off in the U.S. and was hit by birds. And as they were flying, the first engine went off, and so was the second. Engines lost power. And the plane was just just moving on. And this pilot, Chelsea Sullenberg, decided to land the plane on the Hudson River. And when he landed there, there were so many rescue boats and others in the providence of God that came around and rescued every single passenger. And Chelsea Sullenberg was the last to leave that plane looking through every seat to see because water was coming into this plane to see whether anyone was there. And I thought to myself, you know, that's a, it's a true story. This is what happened. The rescue of so many people. And think about us friends, how God has rescued you and me from this present evil age, this age of corruption. And he has dealt with your sin. And Paul says this in verse 5. Have a look. Verse 4 and 5. Who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. What a thing. The glory of the gospel is to give glory to God. And what a blessing that is. And the Galatians has missed the point of the cross of Jesus Christ being rescued. This morning, how about you? Are you rejoicing that you've been set free? What do I hear, friends? Come on, in the Presbyterian church, it's okay. Respond. Right? It's all right. What do I hear, friends? In Christ, that we have been rescued and saved. Saved for eternity by His grace and His peace and all the blessings of what God has done for us in Christ. To Him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Can you say that this morning? To God be the glory for everything that his son has done for me. You see, I began this service by saying, let us rejoice, correct? Remember that? It was only about an hour ago. <laughs> right? Psalm 118. Rejo let us rejoice and be glad for this is the day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us Rejoice and be glad. I was talking, uh, Rose and myself are reading a book, The Living Church by John Stott. 
we're sharing thoughts together on this book. And one of the points that John Stott makes is the whole issue of joy in the Christian life and the joy of grace in Christ. To God be the glory forever and forever. And with that, I say amen, and we're going to stop. I know I had th three points. We're going to do it next week. You see? You know what I've done now? I've given you the kind of half of the entree, uh, given you entree and half of the main meal. <laughs> You're going to come next week, all right? Okay. I think that's enough for now. I'd like you to go and think about these things. And for us, to praise God <laughs> and say, Lord, to you be glory glory forever and ever. Amen. Because you have rescued me. Your son has died for me. He has given me grace. He has given me peace. And he has settled my sin once and for all. That's the freedom in Christ. And what a blessing Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom that is ours in Christ, this wonderful gospel of salvation. And that our Savior gave himself for our sins as our substitute that he has rescued us, delivered us from this present evil age, this age of corruption, and to you and to you alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.